It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You're listening to KFI AM 640 on demand. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Tiffany Hobbs here with you until 7 o'clock. If you enjoyed our dog poop story from the last segment, then you will definitely be interested in the conversation that was had around here in the studio. We're kind of divided. Some people feel like, yeah, Cecil probably did do that and they were able to piece it back together. And the rest of us are like, come on. No, that couldn't have happened. I'm in that ilk. That couldn't have happened. There's no way paper can last through all of that internal everything, combustion and processing, a lot of internal processing. Were you going to say Dogs something? Dogs poo out toilet paper. A lot of the times. Why why do you know that? Because I've had dogs that have eaten toilet paper and they pooed it out. Feed your dog regular food, Kayla. Well, I didn't. (laughs) I'm just saying, if toilet paper could survive and it's a lot thinner than money, money could probably survive too. Hopefully PETA didn't hear that because I feel like you might have some some interest in that dog feeding. Allegedly, allegedly. 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 Get out of there. Get out of there. Get out of there. So there's a a bakery as a segue. We're going to (laughs) segue. There's there's no easy way to do this right now. There's a bakery in Compton, California. Compton, California. And the bakery is a family-run bakery, family-owned and operated. It is called Ruben's Bakery and Mexican Food. Been in business over 40 years. The co-owner is Ruben Jr., the son of the founder, Ruben. And this bakery has been beloved in the community again for generations. Unfortunately, last week on January 2nd, so again, first week of the new year, we're dealing with a lot that's happening. Good stuff and not so good stuff. First week of the new year, first couple of days, there's a street takeover. Do you know what a street takeover is? You you, you might, you might not. I'll explain it for you. A street takeover is when a bunch of cars, it could be anywhere from 10 to 100 or more, Cars and and bystanders gather in uh, an enclosed area and the area becomes enclosed by these vehicles and they start doing tricks with their cars, spinning out or spinning around and burning tires. And it's a, a, a big thing. While that sounds pretty tame, there are obvious issues with it. Noise, pollution, violence, danger, all sorts of things become consequences of these street takeovers. Another unfortunate consequence is that many, not all, but many people will take to local businesses and they will start to essentially loot from these businesses. Again, this is something that does not happen during every takeover, but unfortunately in the last couple of years, really since 2020, these sorts of stories are far too plentiful. And the latest victim in the street takeover looting is Ruben's Bakery and Mexican Food. So last Tuesday, January 2nd, a group of people 
decided that during the takeover, they were going to ram a car into the front of Ruben's Bakery and Mexican food, breaking the windows, pulling at the doors and the bars, and eventually gaining entry into this small, quaint bakery. When they got into the bakery, they ransacked the shelves. This is a bakery. It's just food. It's food. And they ransacked the shelves. They took meat. They took anything that that they wanted. And they caused over $10,000 in damage. There was even on on there, on film, on, on video, there was a young woman who was attempting to stop the crowd. It's not to say whether or not she was initially or originally with the crowd of young people in the street takeover or if she was associated with the bakery or just a bystander from the community. But either way, you see her attempting to stop this horde of people, this crush of people from entering the bakery. And when her safety becomes jeopardized, she backs off and the people then gain entry into the bakery. They got in again and they just ransacked the place. And because of that, Ruben's Bakery and Mexican Food essentially closed temporarily. At first, they thought it might be permanently. But Ruben Jr., the the founder's son, Ruben Jr. is also, again, the co-owner, decided that he wanted to reopen by boarding up the windows and just trying to get back on their feet. And this is where the story has a bit of light at the end of the tunnel in a very dark time for this family and the community of Compton. They boarded up the windows and people still came in. People have been flocking into Ruben's Bakery and Mexican food, purchasing things, offering money, offering kind words, and just really showing community support for this family that has been, again, the latest victim in this street takeover madness. I've seen takeovers. I've gotten caught in them accidentally. I've aged out of the time where it's of any interest to me. At this point, I'm thinking of my safety. I'm thinking of not being able to get through a crowd. There are all sorts of things that come into play now for me at, at my age. And I see that this is something that is extremely popular for the much younger generation. Many of these people who attend aren't even old enough to have a driver's license, but they attend. And there are all sorts of stories, again, about associated violence and associated melees and mayhem. Ruben's Bakery, again, is the latest in that list of stories. The mayor of Compton, unfortunately, didn't have too much to say as far as the future of whether or not street takeovers could be quelled in any way. Mayor Emma Sharif, who's only been mayor for the last year plus or so at this point, says that they, Compton, has been working for months to essentially quell street takeovers, but nothing has been enacted yet. Working for months to fix this problem, but that nothing has been enacted yet. You think about that. If you are a business owner, if you are a community member, hearing that your leadership is working on something for months, something that directly impacts you, affects you, could bankrupt you, could ruin your life, has ruined the lives of people, but that nothing has been enacted yet does not give me any confidence. I don't see how Emma Sharif could possibly be reelected when her term is up. And I don't know much about Emma Sharif, but I know that when 
business owners like Rubens Bakery and Mexican Food, when they speak out and they say that they they that this has ruined them, that this threatens to close their dream, impact their family in a very significant way and the resulting community, but that nothing has been enacted to fix the perpetrators. What? What? How can you, how can you in good faith reopen? How can you in good faith start a business? How can you in good faith trust your leadership to protect your business or you or your community? It is epidemic. It is endemic. It is all of the things that result in longevity. It's all of the things that need to be stopped. Yet nothing has been enacted. Over $10,000 in damage. $10,000 in damage. So if you are in Compton, if you are nearby, if you are venturing into that community, Ruben's Bakery and Mexican Food could certainly use your help. And there will likely be another business that will need your help because these things keep happening. And it's, it's really interesting when the community is both faux and hero. The community victimized this restaurant and the community is working together to help support these business owners. And the community is raising money. The community is acting. The community has enacted some sort of, of, of change and protection, but your own leadership fails to do so. So if you're, if you're wondering about street takeovers and, and where I stand there, not too fond of them, not too fond of them. And I see them as being a, a, a scourge. Kayla's word there, a scourge. Unfortunately, on society, they get too out of hand, too out of hand. When we come back, we're gonna talk a little bit about something else that's gotten out of hand, ambulance fees, over $1,000 to get an ambulance ride, to take an ambulance ride to the nearest hospital. And you might not even know, these are called surprise ambulance fees. And there's a new law that has gone into effect that aims to remedy this. And we'll get into that when we come back. Tiffany Hobbs here, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to KFI AM 640 on demand. Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Tiffany Hobbs here with you until 7 tonight. Have you ever taken an ambulance? Have you ever taken an ambulance? You might have. I have. I've both been patient and um, I guess you could say supporter uh, when it comes to ambulances. I've ridden an ambulance twice again. And the time where I was a patient... And I don't need necessarily get into the details about it. I'm fine. But the ambulance was was the better idea than, than transporting myself in my own car. Uh, there was an urgency to what was happening. And I took this ambulance ride. I was in pain, wasn't fully thinking straight. And when I got home after going to the ER and being treated and everything happened, I received in the mail a bill for about $1,200, just, just, just shy of $1,200 from the ambulance provider. Now, here's the kicker. If I had known that I would be 
receiving that sort of bill, if I knew it cost that much, I honestly probably would have transported myself in my car because the drive itself wasn't that far. But again, there was an urgency to it. And I feel that we as Americans are often forced to make that sort of decision. Do we drive ourselves or do we call 911 and have an ambulance pick us up? And that decision is one that shouldn't be made based off of financial information. It, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be weighed when it comes to getting treated with urgency. But we do. We do because we have heard or we might know directly that ambulance rides are costly. It's so that just a few years ago, people started using different ride share apps, um, Lyft, Uber, to have themselves transported to local area hospitals because they found that a $40 fee was a lot more feasible than a $1,000 ambulance ride for the same amount of time and for the same sort of treatment that they believe they would be receiving. Again, people were forced financially to make those sorts of decisions. That in itself lends itself to the darkest timeline that we're living in, right? It's a very difficult time economically for people when you have to think about whether your life is worth the cost of an ambulance ride. Well, California has decided that they, we, would try to remedy these, quote, surprise ambulance bills. And as of January 1st, there's a new law here in California that targets those fees. Here's how. Before, patients had no real control over what ambulance company was called or what ambulance would respond to them if they called 911. If you break a leg and the car is, is not the best way for you to get to the emergency room and you call an ambulance, you don't know who's coming. You don't know if it's an ambulance directly from the hospital that you're planning to go to. You don't know if it's a, an independently contracted ambulance. You don't know. You just know that an ambulance responds to you. You get in and you're on your way. Those are called out-of-network costs. They are not in your insurance network. And if you've ever used insurance to treat anything, you know being in network is what gets you all of the advantages of having insurance. If you are out of network, you're going to pay more. That's just the way it is. In network contracts with the insurance companies, out of network does not. Out of network costs more. And ambulances operate the same way. So you're in the ambulance, you're on your way, and then you get a bill like I did for $1,200. Now, this new law in California that go, has gone into effect as of January 1st, again, big week, aims to have patients only pay the equivalent of in-network costs. So what that means is you have a copay. Say your copay is... $75. You call an ambulance, that ambulance right now through your insurance and the contracted ambulance companies can pay or can cost rather your copay, $75, $50, bucks, $85, whatever your copay is for your insurance, not $1,200, not $5,000. And I'm not talking Cecil the dog money here. I'm talking real life saving costs here, okay? Okay. 
There's a, a story. One woman named Danielle Miel called an ambulance two times in 2023 and 2022. So over the span of a year, she called an ambulance a couple of times. The first time, the ambulance ride cost $9,000. And she had to take it. It was a dire situation. There was no, no way around it. She took it. And she got a bill that immediately went into collections. Danielle couldn't pay it, like many people can't. Who has $9,000 just kind of sitting around? Danielle couldn't pay it. It went into collections. Unfortunately, there was another tragedy in her family, and she had to call an ambulance again months later. The second ambulance ride cost $4,000. Danielle said at the conclusion of that ride that, Ultimately, she would rather die the next time than pay an additional fee because she didn't have the 9000 She doesn't have the 4000 These things are going into collections. Collections impacts your credit. She couldn't pay. And these are life-saving measures taken that are afforded to those who are able to call. Doesn't mean you can pay. Just means you can pick up the phone and call. So Danielle Miel is in debt in a big way, like many people are in our country. But in California, again, what's happening is that insurance companies are now contracting with these ambulance drivers to offset the costs by making them more feasible, right, through in-network associations. The average ambulance bill in California is just over $1,200, $1,209 to be exact. It's the highest in the country. We have high crime. We have the highest homelessness in the country. We also have the highest average ambulance bill in the country, $1,209. 73% of all ground transports are technically out of network. So people are paying this average or close to it or $5,000 or $9,000 depending on the distance and what's necessary. The uninsured will be protected as well through Medi-Cal and Medicare or whichever is greater that they have there. The ambulance costs will be limited. So ambulance costs are limited to whichever is greater, Medi-Cal or Medicare for those who are uninsured. So everyone gets protected under this new bill, this new law that has gone into, gone into effect. Fortunately for me, I was able to fight my bill. I know a lot of people do find themselves in that situation where that they're not even aware of what they're doing. They're just, someone calls for them and now they're saddled with the bill. So kudos to California. We're doing something right, right? Where that these ambulance bills will no longer saddle us with extreme surprise costs. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about working from home and how that's no longer, no longer what people want. People want to get themselves back to the office. These people aren't that crazy. And I'll tell you why. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Tiffany Hobbs. You're listening to KFI AM 640 on demand. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Tiffany Hobbs here with you until 7. Do you work from home? Do you work from the office? Now, 2024 marks four years since the pandemic. It feels like it was just three years ago, but it's now four years ago and we're adjusting to what has become our new normal. We've had 
four years of practice, three plus years, three years in a week, right? Technically, of practice to ease ourselves into this this new world that has resulted from COVID-19. And one of the things that we have taken from the pandemic is a restructuring of our work environment. That work environment existed at home solely during the pandemic when we had to work from home. We could not share spaces. And those spaces had to be completely equipped with all of the trappings of work. Those spaces had to be our office away from the office. And we did it. We did it for a year. Maybe your job brought you back before then. Maybe you never left the office. Maybe you're still working from home. Whatever the case, it has to be said. It has to be acknowledged that we are living in a completely different, again, work style and work environment. All of us. It's been transformed. We're negotiating what's best, working from home a hybridized sort of scheduling or only working from the office. Well, the Los Angeles Times conducted in conjunction with another group, a survey. And that survey completely took into account the feelings of thousands of workers of all ages, over 14,000 in fact. And these workers were surveyed about whether or not Working from home was better or working from the office was better or some hybrid of both was more advantageous to them. And here are some of the results of that survey. Remote work, again, lost its luster. Many said that they wanted to return back to the office. Return to the office is what they want to do. They no longer want to be at home and here's why. Being at home comes with expectations. I worked from home for a bit. You probably did as well. You might still be there. You might be there now. And working from home comes with all sorts of implications about what you should be doing with your time. When you're at home and your job is sitting there on your desk or on your bed or your couch or whatever your space is, all of these other home-related responsibilities are swirling around you. Do you need to walk the dog? Do you need to tend to the baby? Do you need to get dinner prepped and ready? Should you be doing laundry? That laundry has been sitting there. Should you be doing laundry? Look at those, look at that floor over there. It's terrible. So you start busying yourself with all of the requirements of being at home. If you've ever been home at any point, which we all have, and you're on vacation, let's say from work for a week or two, many of the country, many people in the country have been because of the holidays, you you fill your time if you're not away from home with things you should be doing at home. Oh, I'm home. It's a great idea for me to clean up. Oh, I'm home. It's a wonderful time for me to start this task or laundry or, or distract myself. Hey, I'm home. The refrigerator's right there. Let me go to the refrigerator again and again and again and again. And before you know it, you're digging into the refrigerator for two lunches, three lunches. I'm not the only one who's done that. I'm better now. But when you're home, you have, again, all the trappings of home. You can snack. You can lollygag. Perhaps you want to have a little, you know, afternoon wine right there. 
What do you think I was going to say, Kayla? I'm just happy you said wine. I'm like, wait, where are we going? <laughs> little afternoon, afternoon wine. <laughs> a, little, a little sip of wine. Or wink, whatever. Wink, whatever wink, you want to do in your afternoon that is not you focusing on your work-related <laughs> task. You're doing some other kind of work, right? But what happens is you become distracted. And many of these 14,000 workers cite that as a major reason for them to want to return to the office. And offices now for a lot of younger workers are fully equipped with all of the creature comforts of home. Not only do these workers feel more productive in the office, but their offices have foosball tables and their offices have paddleboard and coffee machines and snack bars, free snacks and ice cream and all these things. Couches. There are nap rooms in some of these offices. There are social rooms where you can just go and hang out with your colleagues and just enjoy that time. It's not water cooler conversations. It's actually organized socialization because they feel that socialization adds to the quality of the work environment. So work now is not the same as it was 10 years ago, even five years ago, even four years ago during 2020 pre-pandemic. Work now is fun for a lot of people and they would rather be at work than they would be at home. So a lot of people, again, in this survey said that working from home, remote working is now undesirable. It is completely flipped. Kayla's shaking her head. Yeah, no. they need to put a sock in it just because you don't have any discipline. You know what I'm saying? Don't take it away from the rest of us. Right. Granted, I do get a lot less work done at home. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. But, you know, work still gets done, no less. Well, and I just had three lunches and I'm happy. <laughs> Or a, a little wine. wine. I mean, a a li- afternoon wine. A, a little afternoon wine. And right? a little afternoon wine down. Workers are also saying that they would rather not afternoon wine down because they would rather be at work where they are more inspired. They said being at work is actually inspiring. Being in the office, can you believe it? This would have never been said or very rarely been said pre-pandemic. Our thinking has pivoted. They are more inspired being amongst their coworkers. They say a lot of these in the survey, the majority of these 14,000 people, that socializing again with their colleagues teaches them things. It helps develop them as workers in whatever field that they might be in. Again, that they are inspired, that things become communal. They would rather be around each other than working from home where they are seemingly isolated. So you have this idea of home-based isolation and work-based socialization. And that socialization, again, is supposed to add to the quality of the overall experience. I think 2020 did something to our brains. It definitely impacted us and it changed a lot of what we thought we knew. And now the new normal is shifting yet again. We're leaving home and we're returning to the office. So there's this patronage back to these buildings. And because of this, a lot of companies are seeing that they need to step their environments up. So gone is the sterility of the office, the dim lighting, the boring environment. And a lot of companies are outfitting their spaces, again, with this free coffee bar. That seems to be a huge draw. Free coffee bar or the grass backdrop for your selfies on your lunch break. 
or the tennis and basketball courts or the the massage room whatever it is the nap room the nap room i'm there i need to apply to these places don't because your oh. wages will probably be low <laughs> to offset the cost of the nap room Working from home, no longer, who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? No longer the coveted idea it once was. When we come back, we're going to talk to Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Walsh, who's on right after us at 7 p.m. And we'll get into a little bit of what she's going to talk about after the break. It's KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to KFI AM 640, on demand. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Tiffany Hobbs here with you for one last segment. And we have Dr. Wendy Walsh of the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show in the studio. Tiffany, you have such a beautiful radio voice. Thank you, Dr. Wendy. I try and pattern it after yours (laughs) because yours is so soothing. I love it. You know what someone told me once? It's not my voice. That Raul does something magic over there and compresses us or does something. Is I believe that true? it. Raul, is that true? No, no. no. Are you sure? <laughs> I it's would all never. The way you. And Aww. I'll tell you why. I was home in Ottawa, Canada for Christmas, and an f- uh, extended family member came up to me and she said, Oh, you know, I have this friend, and she's actually from California, and mm. she's a longtime listener, and would you mind just calling her? I said, Sure. She goes, It'd be a great, fun little Christmas present. Yeah. So I call this woman up who's lovely. We had a great chat, but at the end, she goes, You really don't sound like yourself. <laughs> And that's when Julio said to me, it's because Raul does something magic. He's over there pressing buttons and yeah. he doesn't say what he's doing. So I think you're right. Yeah, but I think you're I've right. heard you in real life. So you have a great voice. In Thank real you life very too. much. Likewise. IRL. Likewise. IRL. You're going to get into that tonight. <laughs> but before we do, mm-hmm. being that it's January 7th, we mm-hmm. are one week again. I've said this multiple times tonight. We're one week into the new year. Yeah. Resolutions were made for by many, maybe not all, but many. And I think the average time for a resolution to kind of go kerplunk is three weeks. Did you make any resolutions, Dr. Wendy? I did, but, and I want to say but, I also think it's really important that everyone understand that part of habit change is gently falling off the wagon and getting right back on many times. It's a slow start into the new year. You're still drinking on New Year's Eve or New Year's for brunch on day. And you're, you know, running into family and friends that you didn't get to see over the holidays. So the holidays yeah. sort of lingers for a little bit. Right. And then, you know, you'll get back on the wagon. So mine was to exercise more, but then I got that terrible flu going around. Yeah, the, the wrong way to lose weight. I'm exactly. Sure. It's the <laughs> no. worst way. I was just on my back going, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm too tired. Yeah. And there's a lot of expectation when it comes to resolutions. And if you don't keep them, if you don't meet them the way that you might have envisioned in the initial planning stages of that resolution, I think that that probably could lend itself to falling off as well. Well, a a really important factor in behavioral change is social support, right? Mm. So telling people is important, right? It's not social shame as much as social support. So in my, I do a Wednesday night Patreon group, they all wanted to talk about their New Year's resolutions this week and they wanted the group to support them in their change. So I think it is important to get out there and also understand that you're going to have lots and lots of setbacks. It takes a, an average of 66 days for a human being to change a habit permanently. That's a long time. So don't say it's over. Just say, oh, bad day. I'm going to have a better day tomorrow. Get back on the wagon. Exactly. So tonight you're going to be talking about something that is really dear to my heart, and that is socializing in real life. Yeah. 
Can you tell us a little bit? Well, I am prophesizing. Here I am, just going to say that the big trend for 2024 (gasps) for mental health is IRL in real life. Whoa. And here's my theory. So we were all on lockdown for so long. And even last holiday season a year ago, still people were wearing masks and doing smaller parties and trying to be careful. And now, I don't know if you noticed, but this year it was full on. Everybody out there on the planes, on the trains, at the parties. Everywhere. Overly packed. That's why we all have the flu. Okay, it's not COVID. It's just that flu. (laughs) Um, But we were reminded of how good it feels to be around people. So this is the year to get away from your screens and out from under your phone and join a club, volunteer, join a book club, join a classic car club, a gardening club, whatever it may be. Get out there and find your people. And also, you might have to try a couple of clubs before you find your people. Okay? So it's okay if you go to a group thing and go, you know, I don't think they're my people. It's a trial and error thing. Yeah. And then when you think about joining a group, what's the kind of over under on how long you how long before you get tired of peopling? <laughs> because I'm like, that seems like hopefully a lot of within a group, you will make some intimate friendships, okay. one or two. And they'll like, for instance, you know, during the pandemic, when we were all in quarantine, a friend of mine, celebrity chef Katie Chin, you got to follow mm-hmm. her online. She's great. Uh, organized a ladies game night on Sunday night. Uh, it was the silliest games. It was really something to do while we were holding our tequila and we were on screens. It was all Zoom, right? And um, then those people, as we started to get out of our thing, started to get together for lunches and small groups happened. And mm. we get together for a big group for things like birthdays or what have you. Right. But I've noticed some really, and I've made a couple really close friendships out of these 18 women. Not all 18 of them are my close friends, mm-hmm. but a couple of them became that. Okay, yeah. understood. So yeah. you're, you you reap the advantages of at least attempting to be social because you never know what could happen. You never know. You got to be open. Have to be open. That's a great resolution. Just be open. Be, be open. open. Yeah. What Remember, one of my way. favorite books we read in book group was that Shonda Rhimes book. Say, I think it's called Say Yes to Everything or something. Mm. That The year that she just said, I'm going to say yes to everything, every okay. invitation, every, and it changed her life. Just be open. I, I can believe that. That that sounds like a really positive yeah. resolution to make. Again, the over under might be two or three. Of course, three I'm weeks also that, all but... about boundaries, Tiffany. So I like to teach people how to say no to a few things too. Yeah, it <laughs> kind of works in tandem. You can't say yes yeah. to everything without exercising your no button. It depends sometimes. what your needs are, right? There are some people who need better boundaries, and some people need to loosen up. So be aware of your needs. Set boundaries, say yes to many things, also be willing to say no when necessary, and don't put as much pressure on yourself. Yeah, I mean, we're all just people. No no one's getting out of here alive. And you're a great people, Dr. Wendy. You're (laughs) a great people. I'm really happy that we're here in real life together. Yeah, and we both just got engaged, right? That's so cool. We're both going to be bridezillas. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Tiffany Hobbs. Thank you, Dr. Wendy, for sitting in. My pleasure. I'm going to give it to you now. Dr. Wendy Walsh, 7 to 9 p.m. tonight, 7 to 9, right here on KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM 640, on demand. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.